0: The church should be, if any space in the world, the body of Christ should be the place where we can get raw, we can get real, we can have really tough conversations, we can be confronted, we can allow allow the Word of God to correct us. It should be a place where we can actually come and get offended, but know that the Bible doesn't allow us to stay offended. You just
1: heard Pastor J.T. Thomas. He's a Christian thought leader in the racial reconciliation space. He's also the founder and president of Civil Righteousness, a group that helps churches cultivate spaces that center God in this conversation. He and his organization are committed to serving God to bring about God's vision for his multi-ethnic church. We sat down with Pastor J.T. Thomas in order to pick his brain about what he's learned, what he's seen, and what he knows, and also what he hopes for the future. Thanks for joining us for this very special episode of The Impartial Church.
2: Hey, y'all. I'm Gerard. And I'm Janine. I'm the big brother. But I'm the older sister. And... We're brother and sister in Christ. We grew up in Brooklyn, New York. I'm still living in Brooklyn,
1: but I serve in the Bronx. I'm a professor at Concordia University in Texas and a pastor at a congregation in St. Louis.
2: It's been said Sunday morning is the most segregated time in America.
1: Issues with race and culture still plague our communities and our churches.
2: But what can we do about it? Should we see color or be colorblind? What's our responsibility in bringing about unity in our our neighborhoods and in our church pews.
1: It's a delicate topic, but one we must tackle with grace. So pull up your chair to the table as
2: we bring Jesus to the center of this conversation of
1: The Impartial Church. We told you that this season we'd be hearing from some subject matter experts.
2: The issues of racism and prejudice can be tense, and it's tough to know how to start a conversation. Our guest today has been working in this space for over a decade. Churches across the country have enlisted him to help navigate what it means to become healthy Christian communities where diversity thrives and God is glorified.
1: But we'll let him tell you more about
0: himself. I am a fifth generation preacher's kid and uh, grew up in North Carolina. have been on a fantastic journey with the Lord uh, as as First of all, a missionary here uh, in America, a domestic missionary that then has kind of taken on many forms over the years from inner city gang intervention to now full time racial reconciliation, as well as, you know, the the normal stewardship of pastoral work. But um, I'm blessed to have been married now for 17 years. I have an 11 year old daughter. So it's just been quite a journey of formation, becoming more like Christ, as I learned how to love my family well, love the people that I lead, and uh, be a faithful disciple of Jesus in the process. Civil righteousness really was a message first that became a movement, and then the movement demanded that we organize and become an organization. But our mission is reconciliation and restorative justice through spiritual cultural and economic renewal. And essentially what we're doing is helping the body of Christ steward the ministry of reconciliation that Jesus passed down to us through this gospel. And obviously the times demand that there be a clear witness for the gospel. How do we center Jesus and exalt him above the political polarization and obviously the historic racial division and dissension that has kind of plagued the human condition. So we are leading this uh, movement of what we call holy activism, prayer-fueled petition, standing against the things that hinder us from loving one another, rightly, as we're called to as the people of God. I think that everyone knows this topic comes with great cost. I think there's a lot of fear in the church, meaning there's a sense, yeah, we should lead in this, but many don't even know where to start. Many are afraid the cost of speaking on these types of issues would be too great because a topic like this is so deeply incendiary. I think many people have found that if they say anything, they'll be Consequences, and if they don't say anything, there'll be consequences. And so, because of the toxicity of where our culture has gotten with this conversation, many are paralyzed into doing nothing. And I feel what many have been longing for is a very clear path forward, you know, beyond just the political engagement, which political and legislative pursuits are important but they cannot represent and do not represent the totality of the healing that we need in our nation and in the nations.
2: And for Pastor JT, the church is the perfect place to begin. Listen as he explains the process that he and civil righteousness use to help the church see her role in reconciliation work.
0: The first thing is we seek to create spaces where truth telling can happen. This gospel is ultimately very confrontational there's a there's a value there's an ethic in the gospel of acknowledgement you know acknowledge your sin confess it to one another that you may be healed you know be merciful with one another you know the the church should be if any space in the world the body of Christ should be the place where we can get raw we can get real, We can have really tough conversations we can be confronted we can allow allow the word of god to correct us it should be a place where we can actually come and get offended but know that the bible doesn't allow us to stay offended right i think that's the work that we've really begun to to curate is how do we empower believers how do we empower churches how do we empower small groups to curate these environments where people can come, where they can get real, can be heard, where listening, we're learning, uh, lament can happen, but then we can move past lament and we can move into a place of mediation, negotiation, innovation, and implementation. And what do I mean by that? What I mean is that everyone has some sort of brokenness that we're coming to the table with so we start on on level ground because we know that we're all broken and in need of in need of healing right we're in need of a savior so we come in humility to the table and then we create a space for bi-directional listening it's not just listening to black folks not just listening to white folks but hey we all have something to, to 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 bring to the table but we want to get to the truth as ugly as it is, and knowing that Emmanuel, God, is with us, even in the uh, ugliest places, ugliest parts of our story. If we can get people to a place of being being able to find God, even in the darkest parts, in the painful places, we know that the Holy Spirit is the counselor. He is the mediator, and Jesus is the mediator of a new covenant. So then we mediate the conflict. We we, uh, invite the Lord to help us find one another and find Him in the midst of the the hard conversations, and then move from that place into negotiation. What do we, what what changes need to happen for us to live or walk differently? You know, what do I need to give up? What do you need to give up uh, in order that we might find agreement or or walk together? And then from negotiation into innovation, what can we do? Not just What can we do together that we can't do apart? That is one question. But who can we be together that we cannot be apart? Who can we be? And then we move from innovation into implementation. Let's go and reform our cities. Let's reform our culture. Let's reform our communities. Let's reform our schools, our churches. Um, And let's be a people who are proactively creating uh, a more righteous and just society versus just responding and reacting to what's happening in culture.
1: This is an issue of righteousness. Racism and prejudice are a big deal. They are actively against God's plan for His people. And as His church, we must be the kind of people who champion a path forward. Later on in this season, we're going to be talking about the ways
2: that culture influences us to act outside of our identity in Christ. When Pastor JT talks about reform, he means a return to God's will. It's more than just being nice to one another. He thinks prejudice is an offense against God himself.
0: I think it goes back to what we were speaking of earlier in considering the issue of the Imago Day, the image of God within man. Jesus said, don't be alarmed if they reject you. It was me that they rejected first. And so if we consider that racism is empowered resistance to the image of God and man, it's the the rejection of God himself, I think that really puts us at the root of the sin issue. In fact, in 1 John 4, it says, how can you love God whom you can't see if you cannot love your brother who you can see? And he actually ties your faith, your ability to even call yourself a believer in in God is directly rooted to your capacity to love your fellow man. And so if we're rejecting one another who we can see, that in and of itself is an indication of our inability to fully engage our hearts in love for Jesus. And so I think that rejection of God and therefore that rejection of the love of God, you know, if you do not have love, you do not have God is what that passage in First John 4 says. And so I think um, the lack of love is what produces systems of destruction, systems of oppression, systems of extermination, annihilation. We can go throughout history And see what uh, the rejection of the image of God in other peoples has done to inform wars and genocide and all sorts of uh, atrocities in the human experience. So I say that to say that it's it's critical that we understand that racism is not just, you know, a political issue. It's not just a sociological issue. It is indeed a a central theological issue. It's a gospel reality that informs not only our horizontal relationship with man, but our vertical relationship with God.
1: It's possible that we miss this. Our brothers and sisters in Christ, even the ones who look different, are the very image of God. That's like the ultimate handle with care stamp.
2: Absolutely. When we think about the way we treat others from that perspective, it changes everything. Honestly, it kind of reminds me of those people who protest various issues by throwing food at works of art or the bloody people outside. I mean, sure, we probably should be a bit more cautious with our use of fossil fuels. But what did Rembrandt do to you? You know, when we harm other image bearers, we actually are insulting the artist as well.
1: Yikes. And that raises the stakes a little bit. But even in the midst of all of this. Pastor JT is hopeful that God will heal his church.
0: One of the things that that really makes me hopeful is that I see in Ephesians chapter 4 this promise that we are actually going to come to a mature a, a mature person in Christ. There's the fullness of Christ is being established in us. And I don't know how Only God can do it. But somehow we are going to come to a unity of the faith. In Matthew 24, it says that before Jesus's return, nation will rise against nation. In other words, we are going to see increasing ethnic hostility in the world. Ethnic and tribal conflicts are not going to decrease. They're going to increase. However, one of the distinctions is he will have a unified, mature, pure and spotless bride, a, a pure and spotless church. So I'm hopeful that we are going to cast off these sins that easily entangle, you know, all of the, the isms that have caused schisms right uh, from racism to sexism to y- y- you name all the isms. Right. And and we're good at causing schisms and throwing up walls. But Jesus has destroyed the dividing wall of hostility. And I see in the struggle and in the pain of our time, in the the chaos and the perplexity of our times, I'm beginning to see a real reach for maturity in the love of God. I'm seeing pastors and believers and congregations and housewives and and, uh, sons. And I'm seeing people across the board that are saying there has to be There has to be a solution there has to be more i believe that it's the glory of god to conceal a matter but it's the glory of kings to search it out that's proverbs 25 22 and so i i know that as the church is collectively and corporately reaching for greater understanding uh, and asking the father for help he hears the cries of of the weak, and he hears and is answering i think the groans of our generation so i'm excited Because I know that the louder the groan, the greater uh, the manifestation of the response from heaven. And and we need heaven's help in this time. And I, I believe that even this podcast and conversations like this that are happening around the country are part of kind of the manifestation of heaven helping us rise above where we've been and step into all that we've been created to be.
2: I like that. I don't know about you, Gerard, but after that interview, I feel hopeful, too.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, me too. I, I, if you've been listening to this podcast and you want to be a part of The Solution, thank you for listening. Please stick around as we dive more into the topic of racial reconciliation and impartiality this season.
2: A special thanks to Pastor JT for sharing his insights with us. You can find out more about him and his organization at civilrighteousness.org.
1: We'll learn more about that and other things as you join us next week uh, so we can discuss important racial issues and why we're tackling these issues in the first place. It's back to the research so that we can name the problem and find a solution. That's next week on The Impartial Church.